Evert van der Poel is a professor of religious studies and missiology at the Evangelical Theological Faculty in Leuven, Belgium, and uh, also a pastor with the French Baptist Federation. He uh, was earlier involved in church planting and has written books on various subjects. His uh, multiplex at the Lausanne Europe gathering in Poland is on nominal Christianity. Uh, Evert, you say uh, uh, that uh, the idea of uh, nominal Christianity is a typical European phenomenon. Why is that? Well, first of all, we should clarify what do we mean by nominal Christianity, because it's a very complex thing. We will talk about it. But in short, it is a discrepancy between a claimed identity, people say, I'm a Christian in a survey, or they are registered as a church member. So they are officially counted as Christians, but they do not practice or partially practice or do not believe as a Christian should believe. So there is a discrepancy. And now, this is a typical European phenomenon for two reasons, because it is, first, it is most widespread in Europe. We are talking about the majority of people who call themselves Christians. Only a minority would say, it is important for me that I'm a Christian. But most people who are registered or uh, who say they are Christian do not find that identity very important for their daily lives. Now, that is something that is most widespread in Europe. It exists in other countries, but it is not as widespread in Europe. And it has to do with our history. Europe was the only part of the world where for ages and ages, for centuries, for centuries, everybody was born into the church. Without choosing for it, you were just born into it before you knew it. And so it was not a choice of people. It was something you belong to. And only a minority of the people um, really took serious that Christian identity. But for most people, it was something that, well, it's part of your life. You believe in God. You believe in that the Bible is God's word. But you're not following uh, in all the aspects the Christian way of life. That has always been the case in Europe. And um, that is our history. Um, yeah, so... Um, uh, then uh, an evangelical Christian is uh, distinguished then from a, a nominal Christian. Well, not only the evangelicals. Uh, you have in all churches, you have uh, groups and streams uh, of people who want to take the Christian faith seriously. They're not always called evangelicals. You also have Catholic people who are very serious about being a Catholic. You have Orthodox people who are very serious about what it means to be an Orthodox. You have Lutherans, you have... And Evangelicals belong to that kind of Christians who want to, uh, to, to put in practice what, what they believe and they want to uh, have... A, 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 they want to live out the Christian faith. But they're not the only ones. Right. Um, we are now experiencing uh, secularization in, mm -hmm. in Europe very much, yeah. and uh, 
a lot of Europeans stop believing in God, uh, but they uh, do not transfer to another religion in Europe. In your book, uh, Europe and the Gospel, you sort of blame the church for that. Why is that? Well, I do not blame the church, but there is a peculiar situation. Um, if you look a bit back in history, you will see that in other places, in other times, people have abandoned Christian faith. That is not new. But it was usually to adapt another faith. It was under pressure, and the people in North Africa have become Muslim under pressure. Or people in Central Asia have become Buddhist under pressure. Or others have become uh, Muslim or Hindu under pressure. In Europe, there was no pressure. People just decided to stop believing. Nobody asked them to. It is just the Europeans who thought that, well, it's their own decision. And why did this happen in the most Christianized part of the world? Why have people stopped believing in God in the most Christian part of the world? Now, um, there has been a lot of study on the fact, how, how is this possible? How, why this, did, did, did the Christianization of Europe uh, uh, was that followed by a secularization? Um, now, when people stop believing in the Christian gospel, in the Christian God, they do not adopt another religion, they adopt no religion. That is new in the history of mankind. As far as we can know, man has always been religious. All societies had religions. Only in Europe, people decided to have no religion at all. Yeah, and why is that? And why is that? Now, some sociologists of religion, they say that Christianity is the end of all religion. And Christianity has, uh, has taken away all kinds of superstitions, the belief in many gods. Christianity is a very secular religion. It says that nature is not inhabited by spirits and powers and gods and all these kinds of things. But nature is the work of one creator God who is above nature. And we call that a sort of demystification or desanctification of the nature. That means that the, all the older religions, they had religions to keep off the natural forces or natural disaster. Christianity taught us not to be afraid of the hurricanes, but to study nature and to master nature and to use nature for the well-being of man. So that has been called the sort of secularization. Secular means world. And um, there is an explanation that Christianity paved the way for a more secular lifestyle in comparison with other religions that were pre-Christian. And um, that is one reason. And the other one is um, that um, Christianity has always brought a sort of universal message as being the ultimate message. The other uh, religions and the other philosophies were always seen as a sort of stepping stone that you have believed in these gods, but now we tell you who is the, true, the real God, the true God. Uh, you have believed in the divine logos, the, the rational principle of the world, said the, the philosophers. And now we are telling you who the Logos is. It is the Logos that has 
become man in Jesus Christ. So there is something ultimate in Christianity. And so if you have Christianity, it is that has always been presented as the last step, the ultimate step, the universal message. Now, if you give up Christianity, there's nothing after that. that there is no religion after Christianity. And so the alternative is no religion at all. It is a very peculiar thing. I don't have, I don't say this is the answer, but I just notice these two factors. This is uh, extremely interesting. I never heard anybody say it like it that. Does, it's, if you uh, talk it's to very, people, uh, interesting. I, uh, if I talk to people in France and they, when they say, "Well, should I believe? Um, should I go back to believing in God?" Now that is very peculiar. People have the idea that uh, if you're secular, if you you're an ag agnostic person or you don't believe in God if you would believe in God again you go back to something now that is very significant that means that Christianity was something of the past now we have become more smart we know that God doesn't exist and so we have become beyond Christianity and so beyond Christianity there's nothing there's no religion anymore and that so, is why some people say Christianity is the religion of the end of all religion uh, bearing that in mind, uh, what uh, would Europe look like then uh, 10 or 20 years from now in terms of Christianity? Um, that is a totally other question because uh, there has been a secularization theory uh, that says that religion will decline when modernization will increase. So the more technological, the more industrial we become, the less religious we will become. That has been the theory. I don't believe in that theory. That theory, uh, hardly any sociologist believes in that anymore. It was a prediction, but we see in other parts of the world that are also very modernized and very technological, that have imported our Western uh, society or way of life and they have not become less religious take for instance the united states or korea or china people have not become less religious because they have more technology that only happened in europe and even in europe we might question whether this is going to happen we see that there are secular trends precisely there are secular trends but there are also religious trends that make it uncertain whether our future will be more secularized or more religious. Both are possible. And I'm not sure that we will just inexorably become more secular because the churches have declined. For one simple reason, if, all the, if you look at the growth of the, of the, the non-religious people in Europe, um, their growth comes from church people who no longer belong to the church and who no longer believe in God. But once and at some time, the church will no longer have people to lose. And if all the people who have no connection with the church, with the faith, uh, have become secular, then the growth will stop. And perhaps that will be a turn of event in that churches will become uh, less numerous they will lose a lot of marginal members that will go on, but that cannot go on forever. 
somewhere the bus stops. And then you will have a minority of believing Christians, of churches, who in general are motivated for their faith and who will be an influential minority. And I believe that in 10 years from now, the, the, the committed Christians, those who are committed to their faith, will perhaps be uh, more in number than now. There has been a, uh, the last surveys show that if you look at commitment to the Christian faith, and it's not membership of the church, but commitment to the, to the Christian faith, then in average in Western Europe, you have 13% of Europeans who are committed to the Christian faith. That means they pray, they believe in God, they go to church, and they find the Christian faith important in their lives. 13%. I find that an awful lot. And uh, that number is not decreasing. The number of marginal or nominal church members, that is decreasing because well, that is not going on forever. So that is where the loss is coming. But we do not lose so much in the category of committed Christian people who are committed to the Christian faith. And so I'm very hopeful. If I look to the future, I'm not saying it's becoming more secular. It becomes more secular, but there is um, the, the place of the religious communities and the Christian community in particular is changing, but we are not losing out, not at all. Why do you think that, uh, what is the dynamics behind the increase in committed Christians then? It is because of the pressure. Um, some sociologists talk about the new secular situation in which there is cross-pressure in all directions. It is very difficult to believe today because people say there's a lot of pressure not to believe. Around us, young people, older people, professional circles, wherever you are, you, there is a pressure not to believe. But there is also pressure on unbelievers because they are also unquiet and among non-believers there is also a lot of questioning so nobody is really uh, what do you say um, without pressure it goes into two ways and we see that people who have been atheists for a long time become believers there is a there, there are movements in two directions there is this pressure on uh, in two sides. So um, it means that whatever your position is, you are under pressure. Nothing is taken for granted. Okay. And so uh, atheists are bothered by Christians who put them under pressure and ask them nasty questions so that they feel uh, uncertain about their atheist position. That is pressure. And you're laughing about that, but it is a pressure. Christians are under pressure of agnostics and atheists. So everybody is under pressure. And in that situation, your religious position becomes more a matter of conviction and of choice. Right. And not a, a something that, well, it's, it's part of my tradition. Because that will not stand the pressure. But in, the, in, in this cross-pressure world, where you have so many options, and in which, in which you are always questioned, you will end up with with a position that you can defend, that you want to choose. I want to choose that way. Um, people who 
become Christian now, they know that it's not easy. So that means that it is a matter of choice and conviction. And that can uh, change the, the character of a Christian community. Last question. How should we then as evangelical Christians in Europe practice our faith under this pressure uh, and in the more secular Europe? Um, well, I think uh, evangelical Christians are already doing what they should do by the fact that uh, their faith is a matter of conviction. And living out that conviction in daily life, that is typical of evangelical Christianity. So we just, we should continue being evangelical. There's nothing new under the sun. Evangelicals for ages have always reached out to nominal Christians, asking them, challenging them to take their faith serious. And that is called conversion, coming to Christ, uh, becoming a committed Christian. That has been the hallmark of evangelical Christianity. And I don't see a reason to change that. That is a very good thing. The second thing is that um, we have now another environment that traditionally, historically, evangelicals have been very good at uh, reaching out to nominal Christians in the churches, people in the margin of the church. That has been a very good thing, and we should go on there. But we have not been so good in reaching out to secularized people who have no faith in God at all. Historically, that was not our challenge, because historically we lived in a country where everybody believed in God. Now that has changed, and if you look at the growth of evangelical churches, most of the growth comes from traditional historical churches, or from their own children, their own new generation. That's very good, there's nothing wrong with that, we should keep on doing this. But our growth does not come very much from secularized, unreligious environments. And that is something that comes out of all the studies. And even if, um, if churches claim that their growth comes from a non-believing background, I'm not going to believe that at first sight. I want to study that. And if I study that, I discover that it is not always true. This is not to blame evangelicals, but it is just to remind us that we are not so good in doing that. So um, the, 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 the reason is that um, um, people who have decided that there is no God and they are convinced of that for scientific reasons or others, they, uh, they ask questions and we have to be able to answer these questions and to, 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 to understand what it means to be a secular person, what that is, and uh, contextualize our approach to, to their lives. That is something, uh, some people do that. Um, C.S. Lewis was one in his day who did that, but we have very few people who are capable of entering the secular world and giving answers to the questions the people themselves raise. Should there um, be more emphasis on apologetics then? Yeah, it's apologetic, but um, often our apologetics give answers to questions nobody puts. 
And if you want to answer questions, you have to live in the environment and to what, what really are the questions? What are the questions? We cannot presuppose questions. For instance, if I ask my students to, uh, to, to write uh, an, uh, a little tract that they want to present to their friends uh, who are not believers, I'm struck and I'm always surprised by the presuppositions. And so I asked, present the gospel, how would you present the gospel to someone who does not believe in God? And many, many of our students, they, they, they presuppose that um, you are looking for peace in your heart or you have uh, an unease in your, in your mind. But if you ask people that, and then I ask them, okay, and now you go uh, to find some people who do not believe and ask them whether this is true. And the, what we discover is that often this is not true. We suppose that people ask certain questions, but we haven't heard people that say it is what we suppose. And so we have, we, have, we put a picture on people that the people themselves would not put on them. And so apologetics uh, is good, but it needs to start with the questions and also by with the experiences with people themselves. And one of the things that, that many people are looking for now is, is the, the whole question of the future of our environment, the ecological crisis. And we have not a long tradition as evangelicals in answering those questions. So there's a lot to do in that area, uh, but I'm for sure I'm sure that in that area people do ask questions and have nagging questions, and we we can answer those questions, but we have to work on that. We have to work on that, and it's not only a question of apologetics, because if you have uh, if you take this question of ecological crisis of the future of our planet. Um, what is our lifestyle? How do we deal with nature? And is the way we are looking after nature, is that really good news for the people that look and see us uh, working? And so our apologetic answers need to be in, uh, in line with our life. That is, of course, true. And so here we have a lot to do, I think. But this is a challenging thing. And there is also a second thing is that there is a lot of talk about spirituality, about uh, believing in things. The problem for many people is not that there is a spiritual world, the problem is often the church. And what we find is that there is a, that there is a sort of dichotomy, a, di a discrepancy, that people are open for spiritual and experiences, uh, prayer, uh, God, believing in God, but disconnected from a church. The idea of a church is, 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 is not very welcoming because church is associated with rules, things you have to do, you have to pay, it is a sort of organization, you have to be there all, every Sunday, a lot of constraints, a lot of uh, uh, social pressure, and people don't want that, it's, they want to be and so how can we enter their world without giving the picture of well you have to belong to my church and uh, how can our church be, become 
places where people are welcomed and feel free to go this process of discovering uh, without being put into a sort of straitjacket, because uh, that is where people are, uh, are often reacting negatively. And we even see that in evangelical churches, there's no uh, study being done uh, among those who used to be evangelical members of a church, of an evangelical church, who are still evangelical, but no longer a member of a church. Uh, in France, we call them people who are uh, left in the bush, who are in, the, in nature. Uh, on Sunday, they look at a television program, they have perhaps a tour of the people in their home, but no church anymore, no church anymore. In America, we have now a service being done by Barnard and Institute, and the surveys now are being published under the title, They Love Jesus, but not the church. And this is a huge phenomenon. It's a huge phenomenon. In America, it is estimated that 10% of the people are concerned. 10% of the population, which is millions, millions. And I think that any evangelical leader in his country will recognize the fact that people are disconnecting from an evangelical church, not because they do no longer believe that also, but because of the church. And that can be because of leadership, that can be because of just doesn't fit your, um, your, your time planning. There is there's a loss in that area. So there's a challenge for us. Um, how can we be judged in a way that other people feel easy and at home in the church? That is for us a challenge. Now, 